Yoni, what's going on, buddy? Long time no see. What's up, what's up, David? So this is our first, I think it's our first solo pod together. It's going to be the first of many. How you doing? I think so. I'm doing good, dude. We, yeah, I think we've done some, like, Instagram quick little things together, but never just, like, sat down and actually did a podcast together. But, like, me and you, half the time we just sit around and shoot shit anyway, so might as well uh, document it and see if we can get some nuggets out there for people, right? Yep, and everybody, and everybody out there, just if you're listening, remember... The gentleman's agreement is that it's not free for us to come up with this content. So the least you could do, please, please, please click the subscribe button because it helps us a lot. So thank you so very much. David, let's get into it. Let's rock and roll, dude. So my, my life's pretty boring right now other than uh, I had a really shitty appraisal on my uh, hopefully new primary residence. But yours, you're doing more exciting things that I think listeners would be interested in. You've got a cabin in your background. What are you up to right now, man? So I'm staying here in um, the Pigeon Forge area of the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee, which is the most visited national park in the United States. Um, Why is it the most visited? Of course, because it's beautiful, but I believe it's because it has mild weather year round and it's near all the East Coast population centers of the country where most people live. It's driving distance from Ohio and New York, Florida, Virginia, and all these places. So families, when a recession hits, can still drive and have a vacation there. Well, so, and us, us poor Midwesterners that live out there that, you know, we can drive six hours and nothing's interesting anywhere that we go. At least if we drive six hours, we can hit the Smoky Mountains. So you got a, a whole entire section of the country that, like, that's the coolest thing within a driving distance for us. So, yeah, it's super popular. 100%. And Midwest is best. We're both, David and Midwest I are both mid, Midwestern boys, even though I live in Florida, Cleveland, uh, Cleveland, Fort Wayne. Shout out to Cleveland, Fort Wayne. Um, I would say... It's an inter- Right now, we're in the middle of, uh, I came here for two weeks. Uh, the reason I came here for two weeks is because we had a little bit of a disagreement with the excavation company. Um, they had, um, it's unclear, they had either accidentally or on purpose removed an approved septic, which is a problem because a septic is the poopy delivery system and you're not allowed to build your house until the poopy delivery system is mapped out and installed and approved. So, all right, time out for one second. I actually didn't know this. I didn't know that they removed the septic system because that was part of, like, the big draw of you buying this place. It's like, oh, shit, septic's already there. Like, no pun intended. But, uh, yeah, septic was already there, so they pulled it out? Yeah, so just for the audience to know, if you're building in a city, you don't necessarily need a septic system because you can tap into all the infrastructure of a city. But um, in, in the mountains... Um, you need things like a well for water. You need things like a septic to do the poopy delivery system. <laughs> I know in the comments they're going to kill me on that one. But, um, yeah, and one of the big appeals of buying this land was as a rookie developer, I made the um, I made the jump thinking, hey, if they already have the utilities installed, that's less things for me to learn on the jump. But unfortunately, in the excavation process, they ripped it out. So now... Um, the there's only two people in the county that are allowed to even go in do a what's called a soil and a perk test what you need to do to number one check if the number one check if the soil is kosher and number two to then you know move forward and 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 uh plotting where the septic system will then eventually be installed and get what's a cov a certificate of verification so now we're we're in the process of doing that she's going to be at the land on thursday we work things out with the excavation company. It's still unclear. Are they going to complete the job? Is it going to be somebody else? And um, th- that also means, just for the audience to know, that 
depending on where this new septic goes, we have to readjust on our site plan where the house is going to be on the land. So a lot of money that we spent with the architect needs to be redone because we originally thought the house could be over here, but it may not be able to be over here, but because maybe the septic goes near there. So um, we're in the process of figuring that out. It's been a, a learning experience. Um, I've been tapping into my Mamba mentality a lot because I would say every day um, with this, is, is it's not like you're getting a lot of dopamine reward. Um, there's a lot of punches in the face, small punches in the face daily that accumulate. And I've been really leaning into my praying and, and my working out and my reading because just to remember that great people have taken many punches in the face and I'm not special compared to them. So um, it's been amazing and I'm, and I'm blessed to do this, but that's the way it feels, I would say. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. So with the septic being torn out, like what, what could have been done to prevent that now looking back, do you think? I think, I think because I couldn't read a site plan well, like architect made the site plan. I was just like, great. Yeah. Site plan is done. That's where that was going. I didn't understand how to read the contours and the elevation where, mm. you know, how, what, you know, what does it mean when there's, when there's a lot of slope or less slope, um, where you, where, what parts of the site you can, you can put the house in what, what part you can't. I, I've been, we hired our builder from Cleveland and he's been kind of like walking me through that, like in baby food <laughs> style, I would well, say. I mean, that's, yeah. That's truly like the, the reason that developers make a crap load of money is not really because they build a cool house. And I mean, sure, building a cool house will make you, you know, more money than building a regular house, but it's really all of the stuff leading up to you even like pouring the foundation. You know what I mean? Like. You need to have the right property with the right zoning. You need to have the architect that makes sure that you have the right area that you can do the right things. You need to have the soil testing. So, like, really all of it, like you said, there's not much dopamine hits. This is not, like, this is thankless work that you're doing right now. This is not something that's fun or exciting or sexy. It's like I'm looking at a pile of dirt that needs to have something done to it. Not much has been done to it other than things that you really didn't want done to it, like getting the septic torn out. So yeah, this is really where like the, the, the development side of things, it's all of this where it's like crawling, crawling, crawling. But then I feel like once you get like concrete poured, then it's like, okay, this is where the house is going to be. Then it's just going to be gangbusters and it's going to be so worth it after that. Yeah. I, I, I would say like, I would say you need to have a little bit of an understanding and a vision when you look at a flat piece of land of like what can, where things go, less like what can go on it, more like where things go. Especially in a mountain area like where you're at. Yeah, I think now I understand that a little bit better. Um, yeah. And I think like anything else, repetition um, creates mastery. Yeah, and, I remember uh, I I listened to um listened to the Bigger Pockets podcast that had Janice on it, which Janice is a good friend of ours, and she's done a lot of land development. So if anybody wants to go listen to that one, she's a fellow host camper like Yoni and I. But she had just like it was like in the last I think like five minutes of the podcast or something like that. There was just like she hammered out like five nuggets of like these are the things that I look for right away for land development. And if it's any of these things are a black mark or a no, or however you want to say it, she's like, I don't look any further. And I can't remember what they were off the top of my head. I wish I could. But one of them was 
the pitch or the grade of the land. She said, I think if it, if it was more than 10%, uh, 10%, I think that's what it was. Can't remember for sure. But she was like, I don't even look at it any further. Cause she said the amount of earth that's going to need to be moved to make that viable. And then like get your septic put in and all that other stuff. It's just not even going to be worth your time. So yeah, development's a, a whole, whole different animal, man. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a whole nother, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a beast. Um, yeah. But I would say it's a difficult to learn skill, and like anything that's difficult to learn, it's more valuable. That's why I chose to go down this road. A lot of people they just go, you know, fix and flip. Everyone's doing fix and flips and burrs and all that. And I said, you know, I, I can do that. But I think if I learn something way more difficult, um, what I'm what what I'm able to earn um, down the road will be exponentially more value yeah. yeah it's kind of like me in medicine you know like it's it's uh not knocking er docs internal med docs or family docs but that's like the lowest level of residency that you have to achieve is like internal med er family doc and so then if you don't want to go any further don't want to do any more specializing or any sort of like further education then that's where you're going to be and those are typically on the lower tier of pay scale but like you go all the way up to like cardiovascular surgery which is like 12 or 13 years of schooling and like residency and fellowships and all this other stuff those guys are making you know 1.2 1.5 million dollars a year but it's because they're highly highly specialized so they're getting compensated for it so that's that's kind of the the route that you and i are taking it's like okay like what's what's the the hardest the highest roi activity that we could be doing like we could be putting a lot of mental energy into flipping two houses or something like that or you could be pouring all of your mental energy into figuring out how to develop something and we've learned we've heard it from so many people like talking with rob and a few other people like once you do one like development project it's like oh that wasn't so bad you know like then you just learned all of this stuff on the job you just gotta you know your phd maybe not a phd maybe a master's in how to do land development then after you do your second one you're probably close to the phd level so yeah i think i think you're on the right track and that's why you and i in our partnership that's what we're thinking too is like let's just go for the gold and like do the new development stuff because i really think that's going to be because then if you stack new development on top of unique airbnb stays which is one of the highest return investments out there then you're just like you know up at the pinnacle of what you could be doing as an investor because sure you could be developing you know uh, a line of townhomes in fort wayne indiana or something and you know make a decent amount of money off of it you're still developing you're still making stuff but it's not going to be an M frame in Gallenberg that's going to probably produce six figures a year. You know what I mean? Totally. Totally. I think, um, I think the future is bright. You know, I made a lot of short-term sacrifices to, to do this. Um, but I do like every time I, I, I look at the numbers, no matter what the website is, even air DNA's numbers, like when I put in how many guests, and um, yeah. how many bedrooms? And I'm like, thing could rip. Oh, like, for sure, dude. It could and, rip. And, and it's gonna be the the, the only M frame in existence, dude. I mean, like just that alone is super unique and super cool. Yeah, I would say, look, I, 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 for any uh, aspiring or entrepreneur, entrepreneurs will know. Aspiring entrepreneurs will know. Um, the only way I was able to like take on a software company and a development company at the same time was to burn the boats and to be honest the boats were burned for me so god really like pushed me into this um so now yeah, I understand but, uh, when, when you're forced to survive 
and create a future is the only time you will create a bright future. And whenever I meet people that like are doing it with the W-2 or, or like I'm almost more impressed by them because when I was working with my family, I was just doing stuff in the family and I didn't really have a lot of, um, you know, say in energy to, 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 to go on a solo. So yeah, dude, I, I have been struggling with that massively because you and I were, were hopefully working on a development project close to Lake Michigan. And we are, we are, we, we are, yeah, not hopefully we are <laughs> So working on a development project close to Lake Michigan. And just like simple stuff, like sending out an email, like still, I just like, I'm, I'm struggling with, cause I, I have the golden handcuffs on. I've got a very easy W2 job that makes a really good salary. And like, it's hard for me to push myself, you know, to really get hungry and do stuff. And like, whenever I first started real estate investing and, you know, before I had any properties or anything like that, I was like super hungry. I had a great W2. I was making even more than what I am now whenever I was working in the hospital. Um, but I like was really hungry because I wanted to get a property. So I was just like a maniac. But now I've got, you know, five medium terms and one long term and I'm kind of like just like sitting back. And so that's why you and I have been really integral in each other's lives, or at least you've been integral in my life to like push each other like, hey, dude, like what else are we doing? How are we moving forward? What's the next step? What's the one what's the one little thing that we need to do to get one percent closer to what we're doing? So, yeah, the golden handcuffs are absolutely a real thing. Well, da well, David, uh, I'll tell you a couple of things before we get into the um the, oh, and by the way, yeah, I am I am drinking a beer because usually Yoni and I start out the podcast by saying that you know it's it's kind of like uh, some successful friends at a bar hanging out, and I was like, well, you know, if I'm actually at a place that serves beer, I'm gonna grab a beer. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome, and yes, that is the vibe of the pod. I, I just wanted the audience to know a couple things because um, I want to talk a little bit about what happened. I've never said this publicly, but I'll talk a little bit about what happened with me in the last year. Because it's like, well, why did you jump so hard this year? And you never, aren't you the same person? Why didn't you jump any of the prior eight years you were working? Um, and so I'm going to talk a little bit about that for a second because I, I want to, I want this to be, I want the audience to feel like it needs to feel relatable. And this, this type of stuff happens to everybody all across America, all across the world all the time. So... Uh, my great grandfather started a business um, in Cleveland, you know, when the in World War II, um, when the Nazis were rounding up the Jews, um, the Jews that were lucky got to get out of Dodge in time, and my grandfather was one of them, and he settled in Cleveland, Ohio, right? This we always talk about the Midwest. Started a plumbing store. My grandfather, who I post about regularly, who's in, you should go into the Entrepreneur Hall of Fame of Ohio. Um, built that store into an international um, publicly traded plumbing supplies company all over the world with factories in China. We were in China before anyone was in China. So as a family growing up and seeing that, you, we were very, very proud. And uh, my dad grew up in the, my grandfather grew up in the business, built it. My dad grew up in the business, built it. And then it's, you know, I, I thought I was going to do the same and, um, I did do the same right out of school and we started some cool businesses inside the family business. I was entrepreneurial inside the family business, even though I didn't reap the rewards cause it goes to, you know, the shareholders. But, um, during COVID the business 
I don't want to get too into what exactly happened. We could do that another time. But the business like was started getting got into trouble. And we had to wind the business all the way down. So that's how I got an Airbnb to supplement my winding down of my own income. And it went well. And that's how I fell in love with Airbnb through the design and the selection and the, all the stuff we talk about now. Yeah. But at the same time, um, of the of myself getting into Airbnb, the biz, the business start winding, winding, winding down. It was it was a two year slow burn. I got engaged and then eventually um, unengaged. So that was a lot. You know, my identity was wrapped in that business, and I actually for years have been trying to. And you know, shout out to any Jewish listeners. They know how competitive and hard it is to date in the Jewish single scene. You know, I was very excited to get married and I really wanted to get married and I was trying very hard for a long time. And I think when the combination of those two things happened, um, as the business was winding down and the engagement ended, I sort of said to myself, I can't live in a world where I just get a job after all of this. I need something that I'm proud of, that I love, with customers that I love serving. And I don't, you know, for those, you know, I talk about Dragon Ball Z sometimes to my friends. They think I'm totally weird. But, like, I really summoned all my energy. And I and I sacrificed and I cut everything else out because nothing else mattered anymore. And it wasn't even beyond the money. It was like I, I was like, all right, well, after working for the family business that I was so proud of, it is no more. Like, I can't just go get a job. I'm not just going to go be a lawyer or a doctor now. This has to work. So the boats were burned for me. So, and by the way, and for years prior to that, my friends just tell me, why don't you quit? Start your own thing. Why don't you quit? Start your own thing. Oh, you're frustrated at the family business? Start your own thing. And I didn't. And I could have. And I didn't. Year after year after year. And I just want to say for those with any sort of willpower to go off on their own, just remember that you will become the most mature version, the most um, well-rounded version of yourself when you go off on your own. And even if it's on the side for a while, um, and God, you know, which I, I'm a, I'm a believer in God, pushed me out that door um, into my purpose. So I want to talk a little bit about that in case you feel bad. I have a job. I want to do this. I want to do this. My boats were burned for me. I didn't burn my boats. So just a little bit of, for everyone to hear, so they can feel like, oh. Like, I, I want to go for it, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, it would have been easy to just be like, okay, well, I'm just going to go all into some, you know, $20, $30 an hour job and just, like, you know, do a whole bunch of nothing with my life. You know, that would have been an easy route to take. But instead, you wanted to take the uh, the route of awesomeness and head into something cool like developing really, really cool Airbnbs, really cool stays, something you can be proud of, which is, I think, that's what uh, drew you and I into host camp was Rob. He's definitely a visionary type of guy to where he like he likes to do very unique things, very interesting things and things that you can be like, wow, this is mine. Holy shit. That's so cool. And I think that's that's probably kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we were all brought together in a really special way by very special people. Shout out to Rob Abasolo. who really started this off. And um, I have a lot of gratitude to him and Host Camp. Met so many amazing, highly motivated people that think differently, um, mm-hmm. that are not afraid of being judged by others and really go for it. That's what we, we met. We, we're, you and I are both big, big supporters of, of masterminds. 
Um, Absolutely. We think that if you hear the word mastermind, you hear somebody selling it, it's not a scam. It's probably a good thing. You yep. meet so many people outside of your world that you need to meet. Um, but I would I mean, say like, like this, let, let's get into some of that other stuff. Yeah, dude. So, yeah, speaking of uh, unique stays, so you and I, we were chatting recently, and uh, actually a guy in Ostcamp, uh, Kazu, was the one that posted this, and I follow Christy Wolf on uh, Instagram. So if nobody else knows who Christy Wolf is, go look her up. She's known as the, the queen of Airbnb. Like, she started out like kind of in my opinion she kind of started the unique stay the quirky stay the omg type of stuff and her very first one was the idaho potato airbnb and i think most people have actually heard of that even people that aren't like in our airbnb space i think have heard of that and so she started out with the potato and she absolutely crushed it and that thing still produces like tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of dollars a year off of a stupid potato out in idaho but it's super cool like it's unique it's quirky and so now she's been working on multiple other projects. She did a basically built a treehouse in Hawaii out of like scrap material. I think she only, I think it was like 20 G's or something like that. I could be completely wrong, but I'm kind of pulling that number out of my rear, but I know it was not much. And she produces like probably once again, another six figure Airbnb. And it's so freaking cool. She just has an eye. She's like an artist. And so she's definitely got an eye for making cool stuff. And then she went on, she did a Hobbit Airbnb where it's like, you know, like the little Hobbit whole homes did one of those. She did a firehouse out in, I believe that one was Idaho as well. Is my, am I right, Yoni? I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. And now, and, now, and now she's doing, what is she doing now? So she is doing a, basically a development project. And as far as I understand, this is the first time she's ever taken on any money at all. Any, any private money, any investor money or anything like that. I think she's bootstrapped everything before this. And so she's doing a project on Indiegogo, which is kind of like uh, GoFundMe, or not GoFundMe, but like uh, what the hell's the, the thing where people put like their gadgets on uh, uh, and the people crowdfund them? What am I thinking of, Yoni? Um, I'm not sure, but she's raising, <laughs> she's, she's crowd, she's, she's crowdfunding. Yes, she's crowdfunding. exactly. She's crowdfunding, she's crowdfunding her next project. Why don't you tell everybody what the project is really dope? Yeah, so if everybody wanted to look it up, it's called Moon Pass Lookouts, and we will uh, we'll leave a link for it down inside the uh, down inside the description. And it's basically where she's got fifty some fifty one acres or fifty five acres, I believe, in uh, out in Idaho that she is going to build a bunch of fire watchtowers on it. And these fire watchtowers are going to be brand new. You know, it's not like some old one that she renovated. They're going to be brand new to where the entire roof is going to be glass. And it's that smart glass where you flip a switch and it, like, buzzes itself out or else you flip it and it's clear. And she's going to have it to where you can, like, do stargazing up there. And then on top of that, you know, it's got, like, its own little uh, wood-burning stove inside it. You've got telescopes and, like, super comfy beds and, like, a little kitchenette. But then once you come out of the watchtower, it's got its own sauna and like a really high luxury bathroom. And she's going to have multiple of these things around. And also one of the things that I remember seeing on there where she's going to have like these huge funnels or these huge tubes basically out inside nature. She calls them nature amplifications. They look like they're probably like 20 feet long with like 10 foot diameter or something that come down to like funnels that go next to your ear. You lay down to it and it like harbors all of the, the sound of nature and like funnels it down into your head. I mean, just like super unique stuff that in my opinion is going to absolutely crush everything. And uh, so me just taking a quick peek at it. So she originally wanted to raise $20,000. That was her fixed goal of what she wanted to raise. And right now she's got 626 backers and she has raised $228,000, which is 
1,141% above her <laughs> fixed goal, which is absolutely insane. But it just goes to show, like, unique, unique trumps everything in Airbnb. I mean, which is why, you know, I think your, your, your end frame is going to do yeah, well. I mean, like, these Airbnbs that, um, like, if you just go on the Airbnb website, and you and you go go to the rare category. Go, go just just browse across categories. You can book, you can book an island on Airbnb. Literally an island. Absolutely. That's the type of stuff that Airbnb made a big UI design switch this year. They went from yeah. just search a city and state and a bunch of different random properties come up, and they went completely unique. They went completely for the unique stays. So what what that yeah. means is Airbnb is promoting these. I would say definitely not traditional housing. So when you hear something yeah. like a potato Airbnb, what does that mean? Airbnb likes that. When you think, when you think about yeah. an island or you think about a, a watchtower, Airbnb likes that. The reason I picked an M-frame was because I said an, an M-frame is not as unique as a, a potato Airbnb. Um, maybe yeah. You could argue it's, it's almost as cool as a watchtower maybe. Uh, it's definitely yeah. got a lot of cool. But I would say, well, it'll it'll definitely get like the uh, the architectural uh, people out there like salivating, you know, because it's going to be very architectural and modern and aesthetically pleasing on top of being in a very natural environment, lots of trees, lots of hills. So I mean, you're you're going to be pulling at a lot of different niche people that would be willing to pay over above and beyond like a normal cabin to stay there just to be able to experience it. So. Like we've we've talked about that um, the A-frame that's in Hocking Hills, Ohio, called uh, Dunlop Hollows. If you guys want to go check that's that cool. out, yeah. that thing is the coolest A-frame I've ever seen in my entire life. And it's got three layers to it with this crazy loft up above, and like it once again just goes to show that uniqueness is the name of the game right now with Airbnb. It's trumping everything. And so whenever you're looking into stuff, I mean, Rob, he uh, he just bought a place or he was under contract. And I'm, I'm sure he closed on it by now. For out in uh, out in Colorado, do you remember that one, Yoni? Do you see that? Um, I remember seeing it. I don't know if he closed. Did he close? I'm not sure if he closed or not. I know he had it under contract, but it basically was like three domes right next to each other. But it was like a house, not like a geodome, but they kind of looked like geodomes. And like once again, he understands that unique is the direction that Airbnb wants to go. They don't want to be like oh, a generic three-two craftsman house in. Uh, Springfield, Illinois or something, which those Airbnbs have their place. Like they, they make sense for certain types of people, certain markets, certain niches, whatever. But if you want to really like go for gold and like turn this into a business where you're going to try and make as much money as possible while still doing something really freaking cool, then you got to go for the unique category. Cause like, sure. Maybe I would be like proud of my portfolio of five craftsman homes that each produce $30,000 a year in revenue or something, but not really, that doesn't really get me excited, but an M frame in Gatlinburg, like that gets me excited. That's cool. Look, just for the audience here, we've done hundreds and hundreds and thousands of hours of research in the short-term rental market. If I had to boil it down to a couple points, we love national parks and unique stays national parks because those markets depend on the BNB revenue and unique stays because guess what? That has the staying power. That's going to get that SEO mm -hmm. and the hundreds of five stars and the wow. And it's going to, and it's going to do well for many, many, many years. Um, yep. That's, that's the kind of stuff that David and I like. That's the kind of stuff that David and I are going to be building beyond just the M frame. Yeah. 
and we, we, yeah, want, I mean, we want just... things that are gonna that are gonna not get regulated and that are gonna cash flow like crazy. It makes tons of sense. And, yeah, and I mean, like it's it's just like you know business one hundred and one. Like what what percentage? I would love to know. Like if Airbnb would reveal whatever their you know stats are, whatever. Like what percentage of the properties within Airbnb make it into like the OMG category or the you know the whatever like modern or unique stay category? I would say probably five percent or less. I would say you know somewhere in that neighborhood, probably less than five percent with how many apartments there are and all this other stuff that's on Airbnb. So just naturally, you're putting yourself in the upper echelon and of you know this area that's super super unique and there's scarce. And so anything that's scarce is going to naturally just be worth more. Let's talk a little bit about regulation. I know I said I wouldn't do this, but like if you Google Airbnb <laughs> regulation in the news category, you'll see the big cities are putting the kibosh on Airbnb, making it really hard to operate. Absolutely. These national parks, also from a zoning perspective, not just the Airbnb regulation, which is chill. From a zoning perspective, you can do something like a Hobbit house, um, a potato house, a container home. Yeah. These things that Airbnb loves, you got to run with the tide. You know, you got to go with the tide is going. That's really like what, what we preach. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're very excited to talk. You know, we're going to be doing more of these solo pods with everybody. Um, these are the kinds of things we're going to be talking about uncovering. We'll get more into numbers and things like that. But, um, we want to, we want to give this free community, this free information out to the community, encourage everybody to get more into real estate. Cause that's the, that's the type of stuff to get you free and your family free. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll create some, uh, some people doing deals together. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think what we should do next time, Yoni, let's let's just na brainstorm on the podcast. I really think what we should do next time is let's see if you and I within like the next week we can find like a unique stay somewhere and then a uh, regular property somewhere within that same area, and we'll pull up fetch it and we'll pull up AirDNA and we'll see what they can produce as or what like it's projecting what it would produce as a short term rental, just so people can see how drastic the difference is. You know, like super cool a-frame somewhere versus like a you know a three bed two bath ranch style house or something like that we'll we'll do like a side-by-side -side comparison instead of us just saying that it makes a huge difference let's show i'm down i'm down we'll definitely do it this is the first of many um but i just wanted to say like i had a lot of fun doing this so we're going to try to do this on a regular basis indefinitely we're going to edit those in in the future episodes and um uh this is supposed to feel like you know people you know two Two smart friends having a having a drink at a bar, and David literally is doing that, and I'm just doing it with my Duncan. <laughs> and uh, you know, we'll we'll get and we and we really love our early supporters, right? Like those people that help help us get to four and five hundred subs, like, and uh, they'll remember as our as our quality of our content gets more and more increased as we're able to afford more. Um, we really appreciate you guys. Like, so every subscriber, we love you, and we really appreciate it. Seriously, it it. It sets us free too. Hundred percent. And if anybody like comes there has a property that they're interested in and they're willing to like let other people check it out or like, hey, what do you think about this market or whatever? Drop it in the comments. We'll take a look at it. We'll maybe maybe make a video about it. I mean, why not? It'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, David, take us home. All right. Sounds good. This is another episode of the Fetch Podcast. Yoni and Gatlinburg and me sitting bar side. So, peace out. <laughs>